See, love is just not a feeling, uh, or faith, or hope, or courage. It's not just a feeling. It's a mode of being in the world, and mm -hmm. it is a form of acting in the world, a disposition mm -hmm. to behave in the world. So we come to what is love. Now, you know, I mean, you know, love is the key that unlocks the door to ultimate reality, which is to say it is the most powerful way of being in the world. It is the most poignant mode of action in the world. And it's, of course, bittersweet. It could be, mm -hmm. it could take us to the heights, the highest heights of the sublime and the majestic. And it could take us to the lowest depths mm -hmm. of sadness and sorrow because it's the most intense form of being alive. Mm -hmm. You know, Tennessee says it's better to have loved and lost and never to have loved at all. So he's mm -hmm. really saying, you want to find out what it's really like to be alive. Right. You know, that last song in Sondheim's Company of 1970, being alive. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the ups and the downs, the rounds and the rounds, mm -hmm. the heartaches and heartbreaks, as well as the unbelievable joys and pleasures. So that it's, it's in the end, you know, we don't have language that would ever capture the complexity of, of love as mm -hmm. a phenomena, as a force in the world. Right. But I would argue that um, it is a, a form of death uh, that uh, that that love and death constitute the two fundamental poles of human existence, and that you learn how to love by learning how to die, because things inside of you must die in order for that new being to come out of you. And love is always, in that sense, associated with that new being, associated with transformation of your fundamental self, a deep metamorphosis that you undergo, mm. a, a thoroughgoing change in heart, mind, body, and soul. And sometimes it goes all the way down to the molecules. <laughs> molecular they say people's chemistry changes. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And that so, has so, to do with that kenosis, that giving of oneself. Right, right. right. So are you saying, did I hear this right, that love basically requires a bit of death, right? That a part of us has to die. Say more about that. I think our, our listeners will want to hear more about it. I, I want to hear more about it. Tell me what because, you mean. Because just as there is no life without death, mm. uh, there is no love without death. Mm -hmm. And therefore, death is a constituent feature of the most intense forms of being and the most intense modes of behavior in the world. Mm -hmm. And so we come into the world basically as these little precious babies, but deeply narcissistic, deeply self-centered, self-indulgent. And love has to, in some way, either kill off or push to the margins that narcissism yeah to make space in your soul and heart and mind and body for right. what emerges. Right, right. I mean, it is true that when you really love someone or something uh, that you, you 
you are different in the world in relationship to all kinds of things. And, and you, you see yourself doing things that you would never have thought made any sense to do before. So you're absolutely everything. I would, I would go as far as to say you live it in a different world. Right. That's what, yeah, you're right. It unlocks the key to the ultimate reality. Reality, exactly. So if you live in, in a world with no love, like Hamlet, let's say, who suffers mm -hmm. from the inability to love, mm -hmm. uh, uh, then you're living in a different world yeah. than Rosalind. And as you like it, let's say in Shakespeare, let's stay on the Shakespearean tip, whereas she is the embodiment of a love. You know, she, mm -hmm. she's dealing with Touchstone, who's wit and, uh, Humor is wit falling in love. Right. So humor humanizes at that deepest level. Like yeah. Falstaff, to stay with the Shakespearean characters for a moment. And, 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 and so when we're really talking about love, especially for Black people, I mean, you know, right. good God Almighty, we bombarded every day of our lives with such intense hatred, be it implicit, explicit, conscious, or unconscious. And that's just what it is to be Black in a white supremacist world. And that's right. true, too, I think, for women in the patriarchal world or, or Dalits in a Brahmin supremacist world or, uh, 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 you know, uh, Roma, so-called gypsies in a, uh, a Roma hating world. Any group that's being degraded in a systemic way mm -hmm. has to come to terms with hatred and contempt. And therefore, love will have even more weight than gravitas in terms of yeah. changing them, transforming them. So the whole sense of a self-love and self-respect becomes liberating, becomes a form of freedom that yeah. is uh, is so magnificent and marvelous. Yeah, yeah. You know what you're saying there. You know, I, I can imagine people some some people thinking, well, you know, we all have struggles, whether we're a member of a hated or despised group or not, and those struggles, you know, uh, are also part of the ways our love gets twisted. If we've been loved in a hateful way, as Toni Morrison so brilliantly puts it, right? The hate, you know, people who hate, you know, love in a hateful way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but but I, I think you're saying something different because when you're in a broader community that is bombarded, as you put it, and constantly under assault and are considered, you know, uh, unhuman, subhuman, ugly, uh, unlovable, um, and unworthy of respect and love. Now you're talking about not just your individual struggle, where the rest of your community is there to fill in and to, to, to pour extra into you, but a whole community that has to figure out how to work with the paucity of resources in this regard. So That's can you thing. draw a distinction more between those two? Because we're not saying, I, I don't hear either you or certainly I'm not saying that everybody doesn't have their struggles, but when you're a hated group, now you have to develop a whole nother kind of resilience that has to be part of the collective practice in order just to survive. That's exactly right. Because we begin with just the basic human condition of every featherless, two-legged, linguistically conscious creature born between urine and feces. Just the kind of organisms that we are. Just to be human in space and time, to come mm -hmm. to terms with the death sentence in space and time, to use Kafka's language, means you have fears, insecurities, anxieties in the face of your unavoidable and inescapable extinction in terms of your body. Right. So that right. that's just human. 
Now, right. Then you got classes, you got genders, you got empires, you got a right. whole host of structures and institutions that mediate all of that. So you are absolutely right. You know, we're talking about human beings who must then cultivate the capacity to love. They must learn how to love. They must muster the courage to love, which means you have to allow yourself levels of heightened vulnerability. Remember exactly. the Latin for vulnerability is vulno, which is wound. And every human being is in some sense wounded. And the question becomes, what are you going to do with your wound? Is it going to shut you down? Is it going to close you down? You're going to be a wounded herder or a wounded mm-hmm. helper mm-hmm. and healer and so forth. Right, Absolutely. Right. But when you got structures of domination like white supremacy or, or uh, uh, class-based oppressions and so forth, uh, certainly when it comes to gender and, and sexual orientation, you've got such uh, ugly forces coming at one that there are layers of challenge that we, we, one must take into consideration when you're talking about love. Because if, if you've been taught, for example, to hate yourself chronically, then it's very difficult to love others if you don't love yourself. I mean, that's biblical, to love thy neighbor as thyself. If you hate right. yourself. That's not a good role have, model. You don't have a self to give that is yeah. that is positive and empowering, you see. Yeah. And you know, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about in, in preparing for our conversation and also in the class that you visited recently, um, you know, is that, you know, we talk a lot about the violence uh, of, of slavery, enslavement, you know, Jim Crow and so on, uh, and, you know, and, and up to the present mass incarceration. But there's also such a history of separating black people from each other so that they are yes. penalized for loving each other. That Absolutely. is a constant practice of separation and, uh, and, and, and severance, children from parents, from mothers, from from you know, impromptu families, you know, during enslavement, selling people who were not related, but who created a loving environment as best they tried to do, um, were torn apart. And and this was a consistent practice to manipulate and control. Um, So, you know, so, I mean, when you think about Black love in that context, you know, to actually figure out how to be a, a relatively healthy uh, giving loving person is an extraordinary act of resistance. I think it seems absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a major achievement. This is one of the reasons why the the black musical tradition, which is the subject matter of that magnificent course you and brother Andre have been teaching at Brown, uh, but the black musical tradition is the greatest modern tradition of spiritual fortitude and artistic creativity in the face of grim catastrophe. Right. And in saying that, then it means then that, you know, in the white supremacist world, black love is a crime. Hey there. Thank you for joining us on the tightrope. For the full episode, please visit us at www.thetightropepod.com. We'll see you soon.